Welcome to Account Trends, everybody. I'm Jason Stein with Intuit Accountants. My co-host, David Bergstein, and I are excited to be with you every couple of weeks to share the latest news, interesting perspectives, and hottest trends in the tax and accounting world. We'll have special guests on the show to help break these trends down and give you food for thought as you find new ways to deliver for your clients. But most importantly, we plan on having some fun while doing it. Welcome. All right. Welcome back to Count Trends, everybody. Jason Stein here, your host, along with me, as always, Mr. David Bergstein. How are you today, sir? I'm doing great today. I played a little pickleball this morning before I did any work, and uh, now I'm ready to talk to you about what I always talk to you about. How many more chickens have you added uh, to your nest? Well, in one of these days, I'm gonna I'm gonna unpack this pickleball game and uh, and and learn more about it. It's as you say, it's the fastest growing sport in the world, right? You got it. Even the professional uh, football players are doing it now. That's interesting. I'd never heard of it before I met you. Uh, chickens, yes, chicken update. So we have a rooster, and we don't want roosters. So we got to figure out what to do about that. But we we got a we've got our big girls down in the coop, and then we've got. The little ones in uh, actually a, a like a playpen type of setup in the garage because they're they're just finishing feathering, and uh, last I think it was earlier this week one of them started crowing, and that's how you know you have a rooster. So uh, so any advice on handling that? <laughs> I'm open to it. <laughs> but well, uh, uh, what time is the rooster start making noise? Well, there. What do you mean? Like in the morning? Yes. Yeah, uh, right now it's been like way later after this. Usually they start making noise when the sun comes up, right? But um, we heard him crowing at like nine or ten a.m., which is you know, sun's been up for several hours by that point. Well, I can't, I can't, I can't help you with your roosters. So let, let's pass on the roosters <laughs> and the chickens. You don't want a rooster? No, I don't want a rooster. But let let let, let me uh, <laughs> let you introduce our first guest. But somewhere a birdie yes. told me she might have chickens, so maybe she has the answer for you. <laughs> Yes, maybe. Well, let's find out because we have her here. I'd like to introduce Tatiana Sawyer. Sawyer, um, and uh, Tatiana is a you know seasoned expert in our profession, CEO and founder of the Bold Method. And uh, I'm excited to have her here. Tatiana, welcome. Thanks so much, Jason and David. It's a pleasure to be here on your show. You want to take my rooster off my hands, Tatiana? I'll I'll fly down with it for you. Uh, not really. Ours is kind of an a-hole a little bit, uh, <laughs> attacks everybody and stuff. So we're not happy with ours either. Well, I guess, yeah, you know, if you move to Florida, you don't have to worry about that. But we brought you on because uh, you've changed one of the trends that we've been following. We're following this advisory trend all over. And I actually looked at your website. You don't even call yourself a CPA firm. You call yourself an advisory firm. And I looked at your website and it doesn't talk about the normal services of tax and accounting. It talks, uh, let's say, tax strategy, fractional CFO, price psychology, exit planning, all those great things that are becoming the trend of even the, the big four firms. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Well, businesses hire me to double or triple their profit using no advertising strategies so that they can scale, become sellable, sell with no tax, and then never have to work again. Uh, that's the idea. But it, it takes the full cycle for a business. I take them with my one of my books, right? I take them from 
the idea for a business to creating that business smart and then helping them grow and scale so that the business can run like clockwork, help them create consistent and predictable flow of leads, conversions of those leads, and then create standard operating procedures and things like that and make it sellable. Whether or not they want to sell it is another question, but along the way, I also save them money on tax. And then when they're ready to sell, I help them sell it without tax and never have to work again. And it's been really powerful for businesses and for me too. That sounds fantastic. So you work mainly with businesses. Do you do the same thing, help CPAs understand this also? I do. Uh, So in order to work with my firm, you have to have a business. Uh, So I don't take on once a year clients. That's number one. There's no advisory related to that. That's what's something that's going to be replaced by AI in the in the future, maybe even the nearest future. But um, And I don't take on separately individuals that don't have a business unless they have a portfolio of investments. And so, yes, definitely have to have a business. Jason, what do you, what, what do you have to say to her? Well, tell me more about this no work thing. That's That sounds impossible, <laughs> but interesting. Well, the idea is that there are strategies to build a business that allow you to not have to spend money on advertising. I'm personally very anti-advertising in certain ways because I've had really bad experiences advertising. And um, when I started doing this coaching advisory, not just tax advisory, but regular advisory, business advisory for businesses, what I've noticed was that um, when you advertise, you're pitching 100% of people, right? But only about three to 7% of them at any given point in time are actually ready to buy what you have to sell. And so what happens is that you spend your marketing budget um, showing your ads to 100% of people and only 3% of them are even ready to buy. So you're wasting 97% of your money. And so the idea is to build a business such that there is consistent flow of leads and conversions. So you have a consistent flow of revenue. Um, and then optimize operations, you know, cut costs or optimize costs, um, optimize processes so that it's a repeatable process. And the idea is that whether you sell it to a third party or to your family or employees or whatever that thing is, um, then the proceeds typically get invested into a trust and deferred sales trust that you don't pay any money tax unless you get some cash out. And you invest that money and you live off of those investments maybe start something else. Um, maybe you're involved in that business for a couple of years to give you some extra income. Maybe you become a speaker. Whatever that situation is, you never have to work again. You can do whatever you enjoy doing, but you never have to actually do it. Well, I love that. It's it's. I always say, especially to my kids, you know, um, wealth wealth is about creating options for yourself, right? And And that's that's how you really want to think about it. Building wealth for the sake of building wealth isn't isn't why people do it. It's it's having the freedom to choose your path and and have options for yourself. And that that goes professionally and personally. So I very much agree with that philosophy. Um, and it you know it's interesting as you were talking about that. It sounds a lot like the TikToks I've been coming across these days, where <laughs> where people are talking about take your money and put it in this trust and everything flows through there. I'd love to to hear more about like how you advise people to do that. That's interesting. Because I think there's a lot of information on that. People are talking about it, but at just this really, really high altitude. Um, so. so for, well, 
first of all, I agree with you on the you know, kind of options because my actually my life philosophy is make a choice today that leaves you a choice for tomorrow. And so um, I think that's very much in line with what you said. But in terms of these trusts and the things like that, typically um, in order to set up trust, you will need an attorney. And so for us as accountants, um, it's the idea of in order for us to make more money, let's put it, let's make it simple. In order for us to make more money and really, because, you know, once the client sells, there's not much money that you can generate. And so it's technically for traditional accountants, it's a stopping point in terms of revenue from that client. But if you get this Series 65 and then insurance license, you are able to offer investment opportunities and be a part of fractional family office, for example, which is an investment firm, right? And find one that actually aligns with your own risk tolerance and things like that. And then um, they are the ones who typically manage that um, deferred sales trust. It's a very specific type of trust where proceeds from sale are invested. And only if you take the corpus out, that's when you get taxed. On the capital gain, but corpus is the main amount um, that goes into the trust as opposed to income. So every year, your um, trust will generate interest, dividends, capital gains, and things like that. And those are taxable um, typically, but unless you touch the corpus, uh, which you shouldn't, typically people just sell and retire and live off of the earnings and maybe do speaking and things like that. But that's the idea behind it in a nutshell. And the trust owns all of every, everything that you have, right? It owns the or business. Just the business investments. The it owns the proceeds from the business sale. So your your assets from other things are all separate. This is just taking the proceeds to make it a non taxable event into the trust. Correct, because you know you're really managing the tax bracket here because you can take the money out of the corpus, but it will just be subject to tax for that amount. And so you can kind of control the tax bracket that you're in, which is really important. Okay. Can I hit you up with a question since uh, I'm finding this intriguing uh, as to what you do? So let's say you find a typical, a client comes to you because they want to grow their business. Uh, How do you tell them to get the continuous amount of leads without paying for it? What, you know, to, to start them to grow their business, what do you do to help them? It's a very good question. I wasn't expecting it, but it was, it's a very good question. I think it's really, uh, really an important point. So I, um, this is a part of the coaching that I do with clients. And so there's a method to it, right? And what typically when we work with clients, um, we start with something called a position of marked dominance. And what that is, is how you stand out. It's actually a part of my upcoming TEDx as well. I mentioned that. Um, I call it a USP. We commonly know it as a USP, unique selling proposition. Um, I call it a position of market dominance just because I want to be different. But the idea is that it's how you stand out, how you show up and stand out in your own and genuine way. And for businesses, it has to do with how you're different from other brands and what makes raving fans of your brand. And when you don't have that USP, that market position of market dominance, when you don't have that, that typically looks like, or actually not looks like, it actually becomes a price competition. And price competition is always a race to, the, to zero. And so um, it's a very important point. And so we start with that. Then there's a couple of strategies that come kind of aligned uh, or I guess coupled with positional market dominance, um, such as drip campaigns. And I'll explain and briefly kind of how that works. Remember I mentioned the buyer's journey 
how only three three to seven percent of people are in the buying mode. Well, 93 to 97% of people are not. And so they're somewhere else on the journey. Maybe they are not even aware of the product, like the tax planning product, for example, right? Most people don't even know that proactive tax advisory exists, not accountants, people, businesses. They don't even know that you can do something proactively to reduce your tax. So that's in the, kind of at the beginning of this buyer's journey. But then there's something like analyzing, okay, who's even offering that? What are the benefits of buying? What are the uh, cons of buying? Like what's involved? And so that's the 93 to 97% of people. Um, and so the idea is they have a problem. They have a problem in their head that they don't want. And so we develop with a client, typically, um, we develop a solution to that problem. Um, but we also, in our marketing materials, we talk to them addressing that problem. And I'll give you an example of how it's not easy as easy as it sounds to put it together. Accountants, right? The way we market, we're terrible at marketing, right? But uh, the idea is that when we talk to people, we compete on accurate, timely, reliable work, but everybody else does that. How is that different? How is that unique? <laughs> uh, and people don't, do they care? They probably care if it's accurate, but do they really care? Do they think about it all the time? Do they not sleep at night because of that? No. So we as accountants, we can't, or, or struggle, I guess, not can't. We struggle thinking like that consumer, like that business owner. What is really keeping them up at night? And that's definitely not the accuracy of your tax return. It's how much tax <laughs> they pay. I mean, that's the premise of tax, proactive tax advisory. The, the premise is that they want more money in their bank account. That's what they want because that allows right. them to have the life that they want. Right, right. Brilliant. And I love that you brought up tax advisory because that's yeah, exactly what you've been talking about, right? This is this is one of many strategies, um, you know, like referring to the trust conversation. That's one of many strategies that that people could take advantage of. And um, so I want to, um, you know, what you've really done is you've you built your business around business coaching and tax advisory, right? Together, and that's that's what the, this profession is is working towards. The ones that are that are looking to what's the next what's the next thing, and that's what David and I talk to guests about all the time. Um, so I want to I want to circle around that, um, but one of the things I want to also come make sure that we touch on is, um, you know, I'm re I'm remembering your your uh, your talk at QuickBooks Connect, um, and you know, you did a, a session on price psychology, and I know you're you're an expert in this space. I'd I'd love for you to share with our audience uh, some of those those points um, that you were making around how people should be thinking about pricing and selling their services. And and from the lens of um, accountants who are wanting to be like you, right? Who want to all be business coaches and be tax advisors. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, I got lucky, fortunate. I don't know what to call it, but uh, I really have been fortunate in life with teachers um, of all kinds, not just educators by trade, but teachers in general. And um, about four or five years ago, when I went through a couple of coaching programs, one was a technical coaching on tax advisory, what was, was a business coaching that allowed me to work one day a week in the business off season um, and things like that. There's There was a lot of efficiencies and, and automations that we've put together. Uh, but also at the same time, I signed up for price psychology certification tra and training. And honestly, it blew my mind. It blew my mind how... We as human beings 
make decisions when the price comes into play. And I've learned a ton. And because I was also going through these coachings, I was applying the price psychology that I was learning into my packages because in the coaching that I've signed up for, uh, they were teaching you or us, I guess, um, to put together a menu price. Menu price meaning three options. And there's psychological reason for it being three, right? Because two, you're kind of cornered into a yes or no, and then people end up not choosing. And then four, uh, too much, and people end up not choosing as well. So three is the optimal optimal packages. But um, in that coaching, there wasn't any additional training on what should be included, what should be excluded. So having taken that training, um, I've started putting it together and I, f- I pretty much finalized my packages in about two years after that. But what the important thing that I've put in um, to into my packages was uh, meetings with me, right? With uh, client meetings. So yes, we were doing the compliance. Yes, we were doing the bookkeeping. Yes, we were starting with the tax plan, uh, with the tax advisory plan. And yes, there were notices included or whatever, whatever uh, it was set up in the beginning. But it made it very clear for me that I can't... Initially, I made my lowest package once a year tax returns for business and personal. But I quickly realized that it wasn't an option. I had somebody sign up for that package and then I realized I don't really want to do their stuff because it's a disservice to them and it's a disservice to me. So then my firm kind of graduated to, okay, we're not going to accept once a year engagements because it's again, it's a disservice to them. They don't get the advisory that they think they're getting. Um, and we don't get the quality of the work, I guess, uh, whatever you will call it, to actually feel proud of what we do. Because as accountants, it's important for us to feel proud for for what we've done and accomplished and do every day. And so price psychology has played a huge role in what I've done and uh, knowing how to present packages. If it's a monthly package that you would end in seven, because most people don't round up sevens, but they do round up nine. So if you have a package that's $7.99, most people will call it 800 to multiply by 12 and will get the annual fee. But when it's ending in seven, most people won't. So they will just think about it from a perspective of a monthly cost. And can can I afford it on a monthly basis? If it's a yes, then we move forward. And and so it's been transformational uh, for me. And one of the things that that I really loved about your talk was how you, you talk about anchoring your pricing. Can you share more about that? I think that's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Anchors are one of my favorite topics, Um, anchors and decoys. But anchor is a purely psychological concept. And anchor is is a number, is a big number. And it doesn't even have to be a price of your product or a related product. It can be something completely unrelated. uh, And I'll give you an example of that. Um, So Let's say there was actually an experiment. There was a study done on a Wheel of Fortune that was that had two options. One had, had a big number, and the other one was a very small number, like $68 versus, I don't know, $10,000, for example, right? And people were randomly asked to predict the average um, number of winning a lottery after they've spun the wheel. And the results were such that when those people who saw a, who got a bigger number on the wheel, their numbers were much higher than others. And it, those, those two things were completely unrelated to each other. And so 
um, the way it works is when another number is mentioned right before you talk about price, it makes the price seem lower. I mean, it's, it could be used in a manipulative manner, but the idea here is to show the value, which is why, you know, you see these stores like, mm, you know, whatever, big stores that sell um, markdown items, previously 497 95 bucks for you today or something like that. Um, and so people look at that 497 and it sets an anchor in their brain because it's right there on a price tag. And it's the same way with services and accounting fees and everything else. It's very powerful. And so using that psychology, you you recommend the three options, right? And as people think about those those options, you know, what are what are the things that you that that have gone into how you've set your three options? Uh, maybe help unpack that a little bit. Yeah, of course. Um, so the way um, I present the options is also important. Uh, we always start with the most expensive option first because it sets the anchor, right? And so that's really important. Also, when you start a conversation with the client and you start with the top one and they say, okay, there's no need to waste time talking about the cheaper options. Why give them ideas, right? The idea behind the three options is really, uh, you know, the supply and demand curves. The idea is that your main fee is that equilibrium, right? The intersection of the supply and demand curve. But there will always be people like me, for example, who will want the all-inclusive resort. There will always be people who want to work with you in a more involved way or manner, but they can't afford it at the moment, but they know that there's potential. So having a smaller option, kind of like an entry point into your brand is also important. And so for my three options, my um, the way I present it, I present the, the most expensive one first, of course, and then it, it's also powerful from a color perspective, like I had a professional designer design it. And there are three sections on that sheet, three, three columns for the packages, but then also three sections. The first section is applicable to everyone. And so the first package, the lowest package includes, for example, IRS notice response, tax preparation for one business, one personal, uh, tax plan separately quoted, and a couple of uh, things like, you know, overnight FedEx delivery, which nobody really uses anymore um, for documents because we're all paperless things like that. And so a person sees that at a minimum, they get this these particular benefits uh, from me, from my firm. And then in the second section, the horizontal section, that's when items only apply to the elite package and the medium package. Um, and then that would include things like um, uh, support, audit support, but not like for reduced rates. It would include things like reasonable compensation study every year, um, retirement optimization throughout the year, uh, small business deductions throughout the year, optimization of that. So advisory kind of around that. And I typically, for the second package, I include um, one call a month. For the lowest one, it's typically four times a year. So I typically do a review four times a year. It's not on a quarterly basis. It's typically May, um, September, November, and December, just for the reasons of tax advisory. Um, and so typically we meet with the client who's on the lowest package four times a year. If they want any additional services or sessions with me or quick questions, typically that's uh, at a reduced hourly rate and they uh, prepay for a package of three hours. But um, the idea is that for the second package, the second package has to be kind of like a perfect combination of the benefits and price 
so that uh, because you will be selling 60% of that. So more than half the time, you will be selling that middle package. And it's certainly true in my in my practice as well. And the so the second package for me includes one call a month. So in addition to four calls a year, it's one call a month where we discuss the month, we talk about their business, taxes, and so on and so forth. And then the top package is an all-inclusive resort. Um, and that includes uh, audit support. So the audit support, they pay a premium for it. Um, they pay a premium for um, reasonable compensations and things like that done uh, fairly more often, right? We typically meet with the clients at least two, three times a month. And we I support them with their business, not just their bookkeeping and taxes and all of that. Let me ask a question. What do, what do you call your three different packages to start with? What are the, you know? <laughs> My most basic one is essential. Uh, the next one is, um, I believe, bold. <laughs> I kind of like the word bold. It holds me to a higher standard for myself, too. And then the the top package is elite. Okay. Now, that sounds good. Then I have one other clarifying question for those listeners. When you say audit support, are we talking tax audits or are we talking accounting audit? Tax audits, not accounting That's what I thought audit. you meant. Yeah. Just so... Listeners would know that's what you're talking about. Yeah. I, I like the way you do it, giving people three choices. I think everyone's come to the conclusion that three choices is the best because if they don't go all the way, they go in the middle, and then you up them somewhere along the line. And I like the choice of names uh, that you're utilizing for them. Thanks. Yeah. And, and yeah, getting away from the laundry list of services, right, and just saying that this is this – is, you're getting – similar types of services across the packages, but this is a much more reduced, you know, structured, minimal package. Then we've got, you know, uh, you know, the here's where we're going to really kind of help you grow and take it, take things to the next level. And then here's the, you know, massive, you know, you, you get the best I could possibly offer uh package. And, and I, I, from what I understand, people do even buy the elite package, right? Like you mentioned, you're, you're more of the all-inclusive resort type. Um, and so out of this out of the remaining 40 percent how how many should people expect the elite versus the the basic package you know uh i'm definitely not a hostile you know hostile type person uh never have been it's definitely <laughs> on the all-inclusive resort or just a really good deal um but my experience has been which is interesting um in my firm i only have maybe two clients on the lowest package Typically, people want the support. The problem is that all accountants offer that support because what, what I found, you know, starting to work with, with business owners as coaching clients, right? We would meet once a month, we would meet talking about their business in the month that closed, kind of what the numbers are, what the trends are, and things like that. But if there is another meeting a month, and some clients have three, four meetings a month, we talk about other things. And so what I've noticed is that people started being more open and brave to ask questions that they would typically never ask because they would be ashamed, you know, and shame is a very powerful emotion, um, ashamed to ask questions that they feel they should have no, known answers to. Um, and they started asking these questions and that's been really powerful for them. And so I have quite a few elite clients um, and only one or two essential, which is the, you know, the basic package, basically. Um, that's just how it's been. And people love the protection for audit. That costs money because an audit could be anywhere from four to twelve to fifteen thousand know, dollars to take you through an audit. And it takes sometimes years. 
and paying a premium on um, having that protection is something that people love. Yeah, that's amazing. So, so can you talk more about like how do you cultivate your cl- your clients and 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 explain uh, the value of, of these services? Get them get them to sign on the dotted line, right? And then. I'd like to lead that into like lessons learned over the because you kind of touched on you've learned uh, certain things over the over the period of of doing this. I'd love to unpack that more, but let's let's start with because um, that's something I think people struggle with a lot. They don't they don't even feel confident that like they can put these they can put the packages together maybe, but like and then how do I sit down with somebody and sell them on it, right? What I found, which is very interesting, and actually, uh, if you ask me a little bizarre, uh, but what I found is that when you present packages um, to people, when you um, have gone through the tax advisory process, right, you've developed a plan, you have implemented it, or you're about to implement, they're signing in the dotted line for the tax plan, um, then you start talking about, well, you know, and typically, like if you hire kids or if you do the Augusta rule, renting you know your own home to your business or whatever, typically there is money trail and paper trail that's involved. You have to have a lease. You have to have a board of directors meeting um, kind of set up. And preferably, I prefer to do that every month um, and sometimes every quarter, depending on a client. But there is some work that needs to be done after we've implemented so that you can continue getting your um, savings right every year. And so typically, you know, the way I start with clients is the tax advisory part, you don't have to leave your current accountant. We can, this is a standalone service. We can do this with you, for you. And then you can go back to your accountant and, and get them to do your taxes, which, is, which would be an ideal situation. The problem is they all want to stay because <laughs> after you have generated so much money for them. They're like, I don't want to go back. I, I never want to go back again. And so, right. um, but initially they were protective of the accountant, which is great. But the idea is that, um, like, I'll give you an example. The following things are included in every package that I sell, right? Um, tax reduction strategy plan, one-time fee separately stated. Really doesn't mean anything, but takes up a line and has a check mark next to it. Very powerful mm-hmm. from a psychology perspective. Advanced tax plan ongoing maintenance. What that means is in, in my monthly packages, there is a separate fee for doing all that paper trail and money trail. Because sometimes we do the account transfers between account transfers for the client and things like that. So let's say if they practice, I don't know, profit first, sometimes we support that and a part of the ongoing tax plan maintenance includes transferring money for rent, um, which reminds me, I have to do some for a few for a few clients this month. Um, <laughs> um, also included in every package, uh, business tax filing for one business in one state, personal tax filing uh, one. So for one family, you know, if there are two partners and they each need one, then there's going to be an additional charge. Uh, notice response, IRS and state. And then small business tax deduction optimization, basically reviewing your books when I'm preparing your tax returns to make sure that we've maximized your results for that year. So this is something that everybody can do. (laughs) It's something that we already do. We just don't charge enough for it. And so so, uh, I think that's, that's a starting point because it sounds overwhelming. 
But the reality, the bizarre reality um, is that when I talk to clients and I show them my packages, which I typically don't even show them, I typically start talking about the most expensive package. The question is not whether they're buying or not. The question is, which package should I choose? That's, that's how it's been. Right. And, and so when you know what you're offering and what you're willing to take on or not take on, because a lot of accountants are just like taking everything that's coming through the door and then, um, you know, doing a lot of work for very little money. Um, when you know exactly what you're offering and what you are charging, that's when it becomes powerful. And another thing is in a conversation, and, and I remember, so this is something that I've learned from price psychology back in the day. If at any point you have a conversation with the client who says, this is expensive, it means that you failed to communicate your value. That means you didn't give them enough information to show how valuable you are. So it's on you, really. I, I, right. I like that. You're selling value all throughout and they understand it. There's no problem getting a commitment. Yeah. Right. And when you're talking about saving them tens of thousands of dollars in taxes, that's a pretty valuable uh, you know, thing. So people, what's, I know that like when, and that all aligns with our studies, even the, the, the three options, you know, that that's, we, uh, we talk about the same thing, um, when we're doing education around pricing, uh, and, um, and I loved your, your story about, uh, you just, it was, you mentioned it. I don't know if you thought if, if it like, um, if you extrapolate this in your mind is the same way, but you talked about, you know, clients that come to you and you tell them, Hey, I, you know, go ahead and go back to your accountant, have the taxes done. We'll just do the advisory stuff together. And then all of a sudden they're like, Oh, I don't want to go back to my, my accountant, you know, even though they may have loved them before they met you. And I think that's, that's really important um, to, for people to hear because, you know, those firms that are not doing this, that's that's what's going to happen to your clients. They're going to find somebody that does realize that that's more valuable, and then they're just going to quietly disappear. Yeah. And so it's it's critical that that we you know every firm that's serious about their future as a firm uh, and and attracting higher value clients um, that they invest in you know create the capacity in the firm uh, first so that you can focus on advisory services. Yeah, I think the story you're referring to is a story of a client of mine. I think I named him Tony. I don't remember. I renamed him so that nobody obviously can connect the dots. <laughs> but but the client, that's it's a great example, actually. You know, I've known the guy for since 2009, maybe, so 14 years now. And up until 2018, I've been asking him for his for his tax business. And the good thing is he never gave it to me because then I sold him a tax plan. Uh, but the idea is that uh, at the end of 2018, I was already going for the tax proactive tax advisory training. And so I was like, listen, let's take a look at what you've got. And what we found was that not only did we make some changes for 2018, but we also, I looked at 2017 and I looked at the books because I was a bookkeeper first. I looked at the books and I noticed that there was a chunk of income. I think it was 300 something thousands of income that came as one chunk. So I asked my client about it and he said, well, this was carried interest. And if you don't know what carried interest is, basically oftentimes in real estate, when there is real estate sales, 
their the real estate partnerships, investment partnerships that invest in a, like a big deal, like um, a bunch of apartments or a bunch of townhouses or whatever, they basically let's say renovate them a little bit, hold them, make money on them, and then they sell them at a gain. Um, there's usually for the finder of this such a deal, there's usually a carried interest. So if we sell it for twenty five percent more, you get. I don't know, 3% of the deal or whatever, of the sales price, uh, whatever that setup is. And so carried interest actually is a capital gain, which means that it's taxed at a lower rate. And so for 2017, this particular client who was so in love with uh, his prior accountant, he was like, he gives me a good deal on taxes and all of that. And I'm like, that's fine. That's totally fine. I don't compete on price. Um, and so I was always very you know, ballsy in that sense. But uh, after I found this, he was like, oh, my God. So the bookkeeper didn't know, didn't post it as a separate type of income. The accountants never looked because they do four, five hundred, fifteen hundred tax returns. I don't know how many right. returns they do. And so they never looked. They never. And so this guy paid overpaid like fifty or sixty thousand dollars just in federal tax alone uh, for that year. So we've amended the return. We've got him some savings back. But after that, he was like, I'm never doing anything without asking you. <laughs> That's that's the real deal right there. That's that's what that's where we want to be with clients, right? Yeah. And and you, and, and you set it up front also. You don't want the once a year client because you're doing right. them a disservice. And when you get into advisory service, whether it's quarterly, semi-annually, monthly, whatever, it changes the relationship between you and your client. You know, a lot of people can learn a lot from listening to this and what you've done in the past. But, I think you're uh, spreading the word with your books, and you do lectures also on the side. Yeah, yeah. well, I was gonna, I was gonna save that for last because I wanted to unpack learnings. But since you brought it up, David, yeah, Tatiana, we're noticing that you've got a, you've got a couple of books with your, uh, with your name on it. There, uh, tell us, tell us about uh, what, tell us about what inspired those, what's in it, and you know, I'm sure people would love to continue to learn from you by going out and uh, getting those books. Tell us where we can get them. Yeah, the books are available on Amazon. And of course, um, and if you do buy it, uh, please leave a review. It makes the author's life uh, much so much better and brighter. But uh, the first book, Dream Bold, Start Smart, was really inspired by working with small businesses for 15 years. I mean, it's actually 18 years this year. So we're talking three, four years ago. And that's about the time when I decided to stop working with startups. And the reason is that Yes, they need help. Yes, uh, we're probably the best people to provide it, but they often can't afford us. And so unless they're um, funded startups. And so then I started working with existing businesses, which is where there's huge impacts in terms of dollars. And what I've noticed is that I noticed that I was catching myself thinking, if only they could do this better, if only somebody told them in the beginning to do this better or that better. And that's kind of what inspired that book. Uh, that book is for someone who has a business idea and cannot afford to fail. So it's a roadmap on money numbers and taxes um, in plain English, essentially. Um, and so it's basically a how-to book. Uh, then the second book, Owner to CEO, this is um, less of a personal book, mean, meaning that in Dream Bowl Start Smart, you will find a lot of stories, personal client stories, basically 15 years of experience and client stories in one book. Then The Owner to CEO was um, a book put together 
for using strategies that I use working with clients to help them scale. So you remember in the beginning, I talked about how I you know, work with clients to create no advertising strategies to double, triple your profit. Um, that's, that's the strategies. There's not a lot of personal stories in there. It's more examples and the strategies and the how-tos. So really much more as a reference material, I guess you would call it. Um, very to the point. So there is about 15 strategies or so that you can look at and start trying to do on your own, which you could, you absolutely could do this on your own. And so that's kind of the idea behind the books. And that was inspired just with the buy, I guess is the right, um, word here, but inspired by these strategies that I use in my everyday, uh, business, uh, working with clients, helping them grow. And honestly, it's been transformational to see businesses go from 2 million to 30 million in two years. Like I've, I've helped make that happen. And that, that is a really good, um, ego sweetener, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it's amazing. And and it, it proves right. That, that, that's, that's, that's what the, that's the potential that we have in our profession is, is to accomplish things like that. That's amazing. Um, wonderful. So everybody should go buy that those two books, folks, because that, that sounds like Tatiana is going to teach you exactly how to get to where she is. And uh, she's in quite the awesome place. Tatiana, we're coming up on time. Um, last two-part question. What would you say is your biggest learning that you've had on your journey? Um, and it could be on your journey as a whole or just on your journey in transforming your firm. And what is the biggest piece of advice that you would offer those looking to be on the same journey? I think the biggest learning for me has been actually very interesting. In 2018, I've that's when I was pretty much six years into my own practice. And I was making, you know, barely making enough for our family. Um, I was I wanted to raise my own kids. That was important for me. And I remember that I came across this tax advisory training. I had a conversation and I remember thinking, and then the coaching as well. And I remember thinking to myself, what could they possibly teach me? <laughs> right. And so very, very, you know, huge ego as most accountants have huge egos. Um, we think we know it all. So my biggest learning was when I dropped the know-it-all that's when I've had breakthroughs like I've never experienced before in my life. That's when in three years going through that process, I've cut my client list in half and quadrupled my revenue. That's where, um, and you know, and I've always liked learning because my brain needs intellectual stimulation and that I know that about myself. And so for me, like I haven't stopped learning since. I'm now learning psychology, Gestalt psychology. It's a very specific emotionally driven Gestalt psychology that I apply with my clients. I understand what what's behind what they're saying me, telling me. Um, and it's just been really phenomenal once I've dropped that. And since then, you know, it's it's actually funny for me to see when I talk to other accountants and they tell me skeptically, what could I possibly teach them or what can somebody else possibly teach them? I remember myself in that same situation and I, and I just laugh. There's nothing I can say or do to change their mind. Right. But um, in terms of the biggest, the, the advice that I would give others or myself, um, were you looking to 
uh, for me to tell the advice that I would tell my younger self or advice to others? I think advice to others based on your experiences and, and talking with other people who are struggling um, to implement these types of services and, and do this kind of work. I think um, my advice would be to get out of the victim mindset, to get out of the mindset of this is what accounting industry is because it's no longer that. It's not, you know, I remember when I was just starting my first CPA firm, like for tax experience uh, in 2010, um, I remember that I said, well, if I work longer Monday to Friday, can I please not come in on a Saturday? And I was told by a very senior partner, that's not how things are done in accounting industry. And I remember thinking to myself, why not? <laughs> I'm much more productive if I, maybe on average people are less productive, but I personally am much more productive because by then I've already been running my own bookkeeping business and I'm a very good time management manager. And so uh, that's what I did, couldn't understand. But I think in accounting industry, there's a lot of those things that we think are normal that actually aren't normal at all. So I think my piece of advice would be to, to drop all of that, um, pre those preconceived notions about what accounting industry should be like and really think about, would you rather have more clients at $1,000 a year or $2,000 a year that bother you all the time and don't pay for that quick question, quick answer type scenario? Or would you rather have 50 clients, each of them paying at least $20,000 a year? Like it's your choice. And the thing is that for clients, it's also, it's not just for us, but it's also for the clients. All of my clients, they get at least thirty dollars to $40,000 a year in tax savings. So their tax savings working with me pay for, 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 you know, my fees pays for itself. And so kind of getting out of that mindset, I think is super important. And that's what I would advise. Very inspiring. Thank you, Tatiana. And uh, beyond uh, purchasing your book, how would you recommend uh, people stay in touch if they want to continue learning from you? Um, reach out to me through Instagram. I live on Instagram when I'm not on calls or recording podcasts, but uh, <laughs> DM me on Instagram and let's talk. Awesome. Tatiana, it was a pleasure having you on the show. I've, I've, we've learned so much from your experience. Thank you for sharing. Absolutely. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. Yes. All right. Well, that's a wrap for today. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you want to learn more about any of the topics discussed on the show, visit intuitaccountants.com forward slash podcast. Account Trends is produced and edited by Luke Johnston. Copyright Intuit 2023.